0: Fired Up Fridays app with Steve Ryan is now available on Apple and Google Play Stores. Well hello there family. You're listening to Fired Up Fridays with Steve Ryan. Fired Up Fridays. All right. All right,
1: hello, hello, hello. What's going on? Welcome to Fired Up Friday. <laughs> How's it going today, Jerry? Oh, I'm doing great, Steve. How about you? I'm doing awesome. Always awesome.
0: <laughs> so, awesome.
1: I've I've been looking over your stuff, and it's like, wow, you you you're pretty good. Conflict resolution <laughs> coach, and um, and you're really helping like Asian American leaders advance their career and life journeys, and. You've had pharmacy leadership roles and, you know, just it must take a lot of patience. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. it, it was a process for sure.
1: So, so what what got you started in wanting to help other people? Like, have you always been someone that liked to help other people and negotiate?
2: Yeah, it, it showed up in different forms, right? Um, I think the first time I was... Basically, asked to help somebody was in first grade when uh, one of my classmates was struggling with math, and my teacher was like, "You know, you're you're a bright kid. She needs your help. Please help her." And of course, you know, I'm like, "I'm like, I'm why do I? You know, why do I need do anything?" But uh, it set an interesting tone later on because, yeah, I started to tutor uh, students in high school, and then through pharmacy school. And then um, just later on in life, you realize, hey, you know what, you know, I've been in this teaching skill for a little bit now. I may as well, you know, make the most of it, whether it's helping vo- through volunteering or just, you know, private business, things like that. And so that grew in a couple of different ways. You know, in pharmacy school, we gave presentations uh, for topics. And so there is kind of like this teaching skill. So tutoring, and then like starting to do teaching and like, you know, Sunday school classes, things like that. Uh, And then also for salsa dancing. Um, I've been a volunteer instructor for a couple of years now with my alma mater. So uh, yeah, there's this idea of helping. And so to get into the coaching space, um, when I was in the middle of some really tough uh, career transitions, I was asked to help teach some leadership uh, development material through a pharmacy nonprofit some of my friends run. And so uh, teaching leadership right was uh, kind of what unlocked a lot of interesting things because now before I, I said, wow, I'm, leadership is hard. I could never do it well, right? And, you know, I struggled with it, didn't want to look incompetent, so I just shelved it like forever. And then and after teaching it, right, now I'm like, well, what if I could be good at this? Maybe I can be good at this. And, you know, you go through the, the process and the struggle and the failure, but eventually you, you keep at it long enough, you start to come out better on the other side, right?
0: And so now <laughs>
2: – Uh, Yeah, after enough job drama on the pharmacy side, I said, well, you know, I'm tired of fighting insurance companies and chasing scripts from doctors, but love the people development side of things. So, you know, and I would know how I wish I'd been developed as a leader, you know, uh, growing up. So what if I turned around and did that for other people so they would be better equipped to handle the challenges in leadership? So, uh, yeah, that's kind of how this uh, came about.
1: Wow. Now, a couple of things. Um, did you say salsa dancing? So you're a dance teacher?
2: Yeah, yeah. It's, oh, it's wow. a really involved hobby. Yeah, it's just a, it's not a professional. I'm not. I don't have any trophies on my shelf or anything like that. But I do get a lot of hugs and compliments, and I think that's a that's a good enough trophy for me. So. Yeah,
1: I like that. Do you have any footage like on Instagram or somewhere online of you dancing and stuff, you know?
2: There there are a couple of clips here and there mainly uh, they're shared among yeah, friends channels and some YouTube stuff but uh, yeah if i if i find one or i can i'd be happy to upload it later people want some <laughs> kind of proof you know say cuz no believe me Steve Convincing Hispanic women that I actually know what I'm doing is just an uphill battle. Like every time I step out on the floor, so
1: yep. I might just have to pull it on the screen. Is it under Jerry Fu? What is it under?
2: <laughs> oh man, uh, you know, it, it, I, I don't want to hold up the pace of the
1: podcast. So we'll table it for now, but we'll, we'll okay, get to okay. you the show notes later on. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. So, so with the, <laughs> so with the with the um, pharmacy, so. It, your background on that, like were you're a pharmacist or? Yeah.
2: Yeah. I've been, I still actually do uh, still work as a pharmacist as I build uh-huh. up my coaching practice. So yeah, I've been a pharmacist almost for 17 years now. So the first five years, uh, we're at a chain pharmacy close to where my family lives, uh, in, in Tennessee. And, you know, my mom, uh, you know, my parents came over from Taiwan and my dad struggled with his job, uh, path just, you know, as an immigrant. And so my mom was, telling me, insisting me that I, you know, just work for this chain pharmacy for the stability that my dad never really had. And so um, didn't matter how miserable I got, you know, just bank away money for 20 years and maybe one day you'll be happy. And of course, even though my mom had never worked a day in her life in pharmacy, right, mom's know best. And so, yeah, I kind of just didn't have that conflict uh, fight in me to deal with my mom's you know, insistence. So I just kind of gave in. And so for five years, you know, it had its ups and downs, but after five years, I knew that I needed something different. And so um, I leveraged my connections to take on a teaching job uh, with a pharmacy consulting company, which I moved to Houston for and proceeded to get fired 11 months later, just because, you know, I that was my fault. I I just didn't take it seriously enough because um, for the chain pharmacy job, right, as long as I was better than 70% of the workforce and that wasn't hard to do. Uh, You know, even if my boss was upset with me, she knew, she's like, well, you know, we need to keep Jerry around because overall he's a good worker. But in an entrepreneurial setting, right, you are paid to get a job done. If you don't get the job done, right, uh, you know, they're going to find somebody who will. And, you know, stories about why you didn't get the job done aren't going to cut it. And I did not learn that lesson well until after I became a manager. And, you know, I hear some of the same people I've had to either write up or fire say the same things that i used to say (laughs) okay you know it doesn't work you're right you can it sounds great i use that same thing it just doesn't work um and so to finish up the career path side uh yeah i uh i ended up at a house of cards job where four of my paychecks bounced filming for crooked doctors and so that was a tough nine months really you know one two reality punch right and uh you know how do you confront the guy who's clearly ripping you off and so, wow. uh, yeah. After nine months of that, after, because I couldn't quite quit, because I needed to chase down one paycheck after another, and so I had to kind of finesse that out of him. Uh, but I still never saw my last paycheck. And then, uh, leveraged my connections again, got me on with another job that was more legitimate, but couldn't pay me more than eight hours a week. And so, uh, you know, I said, "What do I do?" And they said, "Well, you can cover shifts out in Austin. We're about two and a half hours away." And, uh, you know, that was the summer where I was tapped to teach leadership. And that was kind of what altered the trajectory. So still, you know, in independent pharmacy jobs, these don't last very long, typically, because the business model is hard to, you know, survive against chain pharmacies and insurance companies that are trying to uh, drive out the smaller companies. But, um you know, for the time being, it's nice to have a couple more job options that are a little better. But the long term, um, the long term uh, goal is to do coaching full time. So that is the exit strategy for this coming year.
1: Wow, and and toward working on that goal and strategy, is there any particular thing that you're doing to to, to try to make it you know come true? <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Well, I mean, hang on. I don't know. if Let, let me try my camera real quick because it likes to die on me there we go um yeah so yeah the um the first step is to survive (laughs) and so the first year i was officially in business which was um october 2020 uh the first year yeah it was like i mainly did private tutoring uh to just stabilize my cash flow and uh you know cover my expenses right And uh, in the meantime, it was plant as many seeds as possible, right? And so the first strategy was, hey, get on podcasts, right? Exchange uh, a meaningful conversation for access to an audience that wouldn't have otherwise and see where that leads. And honestly, you know, it's been the best form of networking uh, I've done in the year and a half I've been in business. Um, There, I did have some coaching gigs uh, through some friends that were warmer traffic, but uh, yeah, the continual... Strategy is, hey, keep networking, keep asking, uh, not directly for favors or referrals necessarily, but just to get to know people, find out their pain points, see if those align with, you know, the skill set that I offer and just be brave enough to make the ask. And I'll admit, you know, my struggle is to move more quickly and to get past the no's to find the yes. Uh, And so, yeah, but I mean, it is and it's and it's true for for anyone in entrepreneurship, right? Like if you're afraid of rejection, you know, that's fine. But just understand that until you get cash flow in the door, you know, your fear of rejection will kill your business.
1: Wow. That and so like if you're if you're coaching someone and let's say that this fear is is extremely heavy to the point of making it hard for them to really. Like, listen, mm-hmm. they're paralyzed. Do you have any mm-hmm. like techniques or tricks that can, you know, get them unstuck? Of
2: course, you know <laughs> that's what they pay us for. You know, and I need it for myself, really. Um, now, the first question to ask, you, really, so some of the things that we can approach it from, you know, is to ask yourself, what is the story around the rejection, right? Mm-hmm. Because I mean, let's let's take a, like a dating example, right? Just to kind of we look at some parallels there, right? Let's say I ask a girl to dance or I ask for a girl out on a tape, right? And she goes. Nah, you know, just like, like she even gives a little chuckle, like, no, right. How do I interpret that? Right. If she says no, is, do I just feel like, oh, she's saying I'm unattractive. Like she's saying no, because I'm unattractive or like I'm out of her league. Right. Or do I, or, but what evidence do I really have to justify that? Right. Because I, you know, in my mind it makes sense because I think I can justify it. Right. But what if she's saying no, because, She's laughing because like she's just in such financials or emotional stress or she's just like, <laughs> like, I shouldn't be dating anybody right now. Right. Like I have no capacity to have a boyfriend. Right. And so when you ask people, you know, and I'd ask myself, you know, when people say no, is it because they don't like me or, you know, I'm not like qualified or what exactly is it? Or maybe it's just a bad fit. I mean, you know, given the benefit of the doubt, trust that saying no is what spares you time and energy Going toward a cause that ultimately might not work out for you. And you know, the no is what actually lets you move on to the next opportunity. And you realize it's nothing personal, right? Um, from the flip side, right? Let's say I'm a business owner, right? And someone, a friend of mine says, Hey, Jerry, you know, times are hard. I need a job, right? Am I just gonna say yes just because he's my friend? It's like, no, Mm -hmm. right. That's I and when you realize, you know, as Donald Miller says, no, you know, rejection is just a part of life, right? Uh, if you had a sister, right, you, would, you wouldn't you would want her to just say yes to any kind of ask out, right? You know, things like that, right? And so we say, okay, let's study the story around, uh, you know, what you feel about rejection and why. And we ask, you say, hey, are these self-limiting beliefs, you know, actually accurate? Because if they're not, right, what's a better story you can tell yourself? What's a more effective story that would let you move forward with your business, right? And then the other take is to simply ask them, well, what's your next action? Well, you know that hurt. It's like, well, no, no, no. Well, what's your next action? I guess I need to pick up the pick up the phone again and, and call somebody else to see, you know, if they want to work with me, right? So when you people realize, hey, it's not the end of the world, it's just another thing to do. Hey, you know what? Maybe it's not that bad. And you realize, hey, it's something personal. I just need to keep going. Uh, and I think that's what helps me, reminds me, hey, you know what? I'm still at zero if I don't fire the shot. So you know what? I better fire the shot. <laughs> So, yeah.
1: That, that is not a bad analogy. <laughs> you know, yeah. almost, it's almost like saying, what do you have to lose? <laughs>
2: exactly. Like, you know worse off when you started. So, you know, you can't go like negative one. Like no one's, no, no one's tracking to say, oh, you only closed only like, 25% of your deals. If you close on 25%, that's still really good. You know, baseball players, they're lucky to hit half their, you know, hit half the balls <laughs> that they have to swing at, right? That's like Hall of Fame stuff. But no one ever. Yeah. That, right. No one ever says, oh, you know, they struck out so many times. And it's like, no, like if the highest percentage is like 45 percent, you know, then that's a pretty nice margin for error.
1: Wow. We're going to take a small commercial break and we'll be right, right back.
0: <laughs> Fired Up Friday, we'll be right back after these messages. Come and tap into the worldwide audience of Fired Up Fridays. Do you have an inspiring story? Have you gone through any type of challenges, but you found a way to make it through? We would love to hear your story on Fired Up Fridays. Visit Steve Ryan.com today.
1: All right, we're back. So that was very interesting things that you that you went over. And uh I know one of one of the things that you do also is to help um Asian Americans deal with like the culture conflict. Um you know, a lot of things, hardships that people can go through. Um, so, can you tell us a little bit about that?
2: Sure, sure. I'll give you a couple examples, uh, real life examples from clients' uh, experiences, right? So, one simple example is uh, yeah, one of my clients uh, at one point, you know, there's a girl at church that he was attracted to. He decided to ask her out, she was kind of to give him her number. Uh, he tries texting, calling a couple of times and just basically, you know, it's unresponsive. Right. But then he goes online and does some research on her name and finds out she already has a boyfriend. It's like, okay, now what do you do? Right. And it's easy to jump to the quick conclusion that she's just like heartless or, or whatnot. Right. And it's still her. Like that's, let's not, let's not be, let's not downplay, you know, the actions there. But, you know, he's asking me, how do I deal with this? Right. And, you know, I say, hey, you know, approach with curiosity, right? If you're, if you're struggling to find courage, hey, you know what? Just get curious about the situation. You know, let's call her Jennifer. Hey, Jennifer, um, help me out here, right? You know, ask, asked you out. Yeah, you're kind enough to give me your number. I was excited to, to reach out to you. Uh, and then, you know, after I didn't get a response from you, I go online. It turns out you already have a boyfriend. So what's going on, right? And, you know, she, you know, apologized and said, hey, yeah, you know, I was just afraid to just tell you no, and uh, that I was already spoken for, then you can, and then you could press it a little and say, "Hey, well, you know, wouldn't it just have been easier just to let me know that you you weren't single?" And that's like, yeah, you know, that probably would have been better. And so, right, and so she realized after the fact, hey, you know what, um, lying about my status just because I'm too afraid of what might happen if I say no, even though I have a legitimate reason to, actually makes things worse, right? Uh, and he was just, you know, he was just so happy, you know, that he finally had this closure. He's like, yeah, I'm sad that, you know, I don't possible date or anything like that but i'm so glad i don't have this pent-up resentment in me because of what you know what she did right um and and so that's on the personal side uh a professional side so another client uh one point after hours her boss calls her on her cell phone and uh, she doesn't pick up because she's off the clock you know she's out with friends and she doesn't you know this is like it can't be that important or even if it is i'll just wait till the next day to to deal with it and, uh, of course, next day, her boss is this passive aggressive, you know, vague person just blows up at her. Hey, you know, I don't think you're really committed to this job. Like, why did you pick up? You know, I needed you to answer a question and you you know, didn't answer. And, you know, she comes to me and she's like, how do I how do I navigate this? Right. Like, how do I resolve this frustration in me? But how do I make sure that he doesn't fire me if I accidentally antagonize him and hit some other trip wires when I'm talking to him? And so, you know, we, there, we talk about, I talk about how there's kind of like two forms of coaching. Uh, one kind is, you know, the certified kind where you ask questions around things and try to get them to come up with their own solution. Other times it's more like athletic coaching, right? Where it's like, okay, when you get out on the field, I need you to look at points A, B, and C, avoid part D, right? And when this specific situation happens, this is what you need to remember how to do, right? So you kind of give them a scripted approach that they can kind of improv off of. Uh, So in the moment, you know, they have an idea of how to give themselves the best chance of success. And so we would, and so we talked through this with her, right. And we said, Hey, okay. You know, what would be a successful outcome for you? Like, how could you see this going well? Right. And then we would say, Hey, you know, here are some phrases that you can use to help kind of keep the situation defused and make sure it doesn't escalate. So we say things like, I'm sorry, things aren't better between us. Right. And so you're not, pointing fingers, you're not taking fault for things that aren't yours, you're just acknowledging that there is a broken relationship, right? And then you posture it for their benefit to say, hey, look, I'm really, you know, the incident uh, uh, was very extreme yesterday. And so, you know, help me understand, right? How do I be the best employee for you, even as I, you know, was in the middle of something, I couldn't answer your call, right? And so now it's a negotiation. Now it's a collaboration to say, hey, you know, how do we Uh, you know, reconcile your preferences for commitment along with the fact that, you know, what happens off the clock is, you know, ultimately not up to you. Right. And so thankfully, you know, even if you don't necessarily get the relationship restored to like hundred percent where you are like excited to be each other, be around each other again, at least you have a working understanding of how to make sure that you take care of your boss and that he's respectful of your boundaries as an employee. So, um, you know, She still was trying to leave the company, but at least she didn't have to leave it sooner than expected. So uh, these are the kinds of things that we sort through, right? Um, Whether even with parents expectations, right? So often parents want us to be doctors, engineers, you know, all these other, you know, high profile, high prestige, high income professions, because in, and for a lot of immigrants, right, that's the quickest way to earn credibility and stabilize your uh, living situation. But you know, what do you do when kids are like, well, we already have that. And I don't want to be a doctor just because you think that's what brings you honor. Right. And now, you know, how do you explain to your parents, Hey, look, I'm going to be okay. Right. Like to say, Hey, I'm going to try out this dream for six months. If I still can't get a steady paycheck, fine, I'll go into a a more stable job. Right. And allowing uh, these, you know, kids or these children or these young professionals now, right. To, be able to kind of say things a little more skillfully, respectfully, with while still disagreeing. Uh, so these are the kind of situations I like to help people with.
1: Wow. And do you do you think like I know what you explained, but do you think like her being um, Asian American had an impact? Like maybe if she wasn't, <clears throat> she would have been treated differently. I know it's oh, kind of hard to say,
2: but. no, no. I mean that's and that's a that's a fair thing to explore because right if she is an Asian female right? Um, What is the tendency? We're conflict diverse. Well, in in Asians in general, right? We're conflict diverse. We're deferential. And so some people leverage that, right? They're just like, oh, I know I can, you know, bully Jerry a little bit because I know he's not going to fight back if I, if I press him on a certain issue, right? I used to be that way, right? That was the way I was brought up. You know, my mom would tell me, hey, you know, yeah, just whatever frustration you deal with, whatever injustice you feel, hey, just, just get over it. It's just not worth the fight, but it doesn't work that way in leadership, <laughs> and it doesn't work that way in life, because the more resentment that builds up in you, at some point, right, it's like a poppy thing that's going to explode. And you look at life very differently when you just have all this pent-up resentment in you, right, and you're just drinking this poison, hoping the other person will die, right, as the common saying goes. And wow. It's just not, it's not, it's just not healthy. And I, I'm I'm, I'm recovering myself. So, you know, this is one guy telling other people, Hey, this is where you can find good bread. This is just me sharing what I've learned so that, you know, you guys can, can feed off this too.
1: Wow. And, and then you said you had another example too, um, like a second example, uh, story. Yeah,
2: yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, So, yeah. So let's go over. I'll give a personal one. So this is the kind of thing that we're trying to get people past, Right. Um, In fact, I'll throw throwing another one after that. Um, So growing up at one point, I had a friend who was uh, Muslim and he was dating a Christian girl. And uh, at one point they had a, a bad fight. And, you know, he was asking for my input just because I'm a Christian. And, you know, he's like, I know. What do we? What do you talk about in terms of relationships, things like that? And so I showed him some passages from the Bible that were kind of relevant to his situation, talking about reconciliation and forgiveness and all other things. And you know, they seem to be in conflict. And he says, "Well, what takes what takes precedence?" And I said, "Well, it's not an either or; it's a both and. So you just kind of have to pick you know, how you want to honor both." He copies me in on the email, and um, and I am not happy because he basically just kind of. You know, he basically cut around whatever passes to justify his stance instead of really take the passage at you know, for the intent that it had. And of course my mom, you know, I was home for the summer. My mom sees how I react to this and I'm like, okay, I got to talk to him. And she's like, no, 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 no. It's not worth the friendship. You know, just you know, let this go. It's, it's, it's just not worth it. And it's like, no, like this is terrible. Like why? I, he did something inappropriate and I need to talk to him about it. Right. But I just had, I was just going to listen to my mom because at that point I didn't want to deal with my mom's insistence either. So I'll contrast this with, um, a more recent example of a conflict I had to deal with. Um, so I was at a networking event an a national networking event here in Houston at one point. And so there's all sorts of people there, all sorts of cultures. And I, I, happened to come across an older white gentleman, nice guy. Like you know, we were talking, we get to talk. And this was in the middle of the Asian hate crimes that happened in, in Atlanta recently. Right. And so he, he asked me about this, right. He's like, Hey, you know, so all these Asian hate crimes, you know, is it is it really that big a deal? Like, are you okay? Have you dealt with anything? And right, so immediately I think like two things, right? One, he's genuinely curious and concerned for my safety in the middle of all this, which is probably the case, right? He's like, mm, You're Asian, there's Asian hate crimes, you know, how are you how are you handling all this, right? But the other is to imply, right, that um, right. the media is sensationalizing this for ratings and it's you know, and that it's really not that big a deal. And you know, in my mind, I'm like, people are dying. Like, this is a problem, right? But instead of, you know, like getting my angry Asian, like chip on my shoulder and like embarrassing him, like in a public setting, right? I take a slightly different angle. And I'm not saying this as a role model. I'm just letting people know, hey, but there's a there's a wise way to engage, right? You can stretch people without without embarrassing them, right? And so I told him, I, we'll call him Tim. And I said, hey, Tim, so, I mean, thankfully for me, you know, I've not experienced any disparaging remarks or any violence, and I'm grateful. But can I run something by you? It's like, yeah, sure. Did you know that Houston's Chinatown is built on discrimination? And he goes, really? Like, what do you mean by that? I said, at one point, the city officials said, you know, we don't like this Asian threat or what might happen. So we're just going to sequester them all in the southwest part of the city. And to add insult to injury, they up the district in such a way they don't even have a vote like they divided up the group and so they can't even put all their people into one vote it's like oh yeah yeah, that, that doesn't sound good i'm just like no it's not right so are we thankful there's not more hate crime violence physical violence here yes i'm thankful that we haven't experienced it and there is a bigger system of discrimination that is not okay just because people aren't physically hurt by it right yeah and he's like oh yeah okay you know and it's like hey look man, i'm I'm not here to embarrass you. I'm not here to embarrass anybody, right? I'm just here to uh, make sure people don't accidentally be condescending when they're talking about sensitive topics. right? Yeah. So, hey, I'm looking out for you. Okay. Right. And so now it's like, oh, okay. It's kind of fun to put them a little off balance, but, you know, not to embarrass him, Right. So anyway, things like that. Like, I want to give other Asians a, to be able to handle these situations when things like this come up and they don't have to be like, Oh, like I'm angry, but I, I, I just want to, di- I just want to stay silent because I'm afraid that if I say anything like the conversation might get awkward and I don't want to be embarrassed and I don't want to cause a scene, maybe there's a better way. And that's what we're here to do and That's what we're here to do for them. Right. It took a long time for me to, to be able to say something like that. And I, I, fa- I had to fail several times before I you know, found the language and, uh, a willingness to listen really first and foremost. Right. Uh, and because, yeah, even in situations like this, where you disagree with the person, you still show them dignity. You still show them respect right? because they're people
0: too. True.
1: True. And, and, you know, now that we're into 2022, like mm-hmm. do you, have you noticed a difference with, um, with the Asian hate things or is it about the same?
2: Oh, you know, Steve, I, I wish <laughs> I could be, more encouraged by the empirical evidence that's out there. Right. I mean, yeah. there is that, there is a scene in Utah, right. Where a Filipino food truck was vandalized and you know, like in the, it was just a really ugly scene. And it's like, you know, you've seen enough of this. This has gone on for a while. Right. Like this yeah. is not a new story. The Chinese exclusion act, right. is a real thing. Like this is not, this is the first time. And it's, you know, the, the hate crimes and the discrimination began on for quite some time now. Um, and so, yeah, are there moments of breakthroughs? Yeah, of course there's bright spots. And I, I hope we highlight those and celebrate those and just understand that, uh, the, the game is far from over and, um, and you know, that's okay. Right. I think, unfortunately for all of us, right, there's just this, like this subconscious part of humanity that we just don't want to admit to, right. That's just like ugly and, and closed minded. And when that gets amplified, it's, it's not a surprise, unfortunately. But uh, you know, how do we? How do you change somebody's heart, right? To say, hey, you know what? Maybe there's a better way, so that we all can be seen, heard, and respected, even if we disagree.
1: Wow, that's a very um, insightful answer. <laughs> it took a while. Don't worry, it took a while for me to get there. <laughs> No, I, I can definitely relate to it. Um, mm-hmm. you know, wish, wish we could just snap a finger and it all changes. And that would totally, be yeah. really awesome. <laughs> yeah. And like, if you, if you had to tell yourself some advice, like if you had to start all over and you were able to talk to yourself starting over, what would you tell yourself?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if I had a time <laughs> machine and talk to my 18 year old self, assuming that I would receive my own advice, um, the first thing I would tell me is uh, go global, you know. Uh, and so I'll give some examples, right? Uh, I I got shuffled into a German language learning, uh, you know, track when I was in middle school and high school. And, you know, in my mind, I'm like, when am I ever going to use this? Like, oh, like this is hard and frustrating. And I don't see how this is relevant. Steve, I've met Germans everywhere I've gone, like in Europe, Australia, Taiwan. And I just hear God... I can just imagine God telling me, I tried, I tried to open your mind. I tried, you know? And so I I still know enough to tell them how much I've forgotten, which still impressive, but it could have been so much more to really build relationships if I had taken the time to invest in fluency. Right. Uh, so that's the first thing I will tell myself is just, yeah, like expand your world, right? Because when I went to Ireland for the first time on a, on a pharmacy school rotation, that's when the travel bug really bit me for myself. And I just said, oh my gosh, this is such a big world. I got to immerse myself in more cultures and see all the history and all the architecture and things that are out there, right? Um, the second thing I would tell myself is um, it's okay for people to disagree. Uh, you can say no, and they can say no. And if, I'm just kind of like what we talked about earlier, right? No is an okay answer. And just understand that, and that leads into number three, it's ultimately whatever you decide is your decision, right? Um, don't people please. Like if you honestly don't, if you're not excited to, you know, take someone's offer that they've, that they've given to you, Hey, you know, if you're hard it, it's okay. Just say no. Like, and it's your decision. Right. Like I, I sat through a really bad sales pitch at one point, uh, a guy I randomly met wanted me to join like this discount travel club membership. And, you know, there's like this whole referral network and incentive and things like that. And, you know, I honestly just wanted to get to know the guy, but it was like his secret ploy to like kind of lure me in and like get to know me, but then really try to pitch me. And it's like, okay, like, it sounds great. I'm still going to say no. Like I didn't come here for that. Right? <laughs> and to be able to be okay with that. And, you know, because I don't want to say yes, just because he wants to close the sale. Like I don't want to, I don't want to be on the hook for that kind of money just because I was afraid to say no. Uh, and exactly. you know, that was, that's a hard thing to remember for myself because yeah, I grew up people pleasing and now, you know, I, I know all the times I regretted saying yes. And I thought to myself, you know, I can't beat myself up for not knowing to say no anymore. Because a lot of people will remind me, they're like, well, you could have said no. And it's just like, you know, I, I don't like it when people throw that back in my face. So, yeah, I'll learn the lesson. And all <laughs> right, I'm going to say no.
1: <laughs> Tough lesson, but now it's easier.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, it takes,
2: it's a skill like any other, Steve, right? Like, it's like anything else. Like, forgiveness, I've, I've realized, is a skill. Like, you can practice any other. Leadership, conflict resolution, all these things, right? Before, I used to say, wow, this person is always so gracious. They must be good at it. I don't have that. And now you realize, you know, what? what if it's something I just don't need to be the best at, but I can just get better at every day? And guess what happens over a lifetime, right? At some point, you get really good at it, but it takes yeah. a while. Yeah,
1: that's true. Yeah. <laughs> well, did you have any last minute words of wisdom to mm. impart on anyone? <laughs> this has sure. been great, by the way. So oh, no, good, good. Uh, a lot I of good mean... examples and. This is very insightful. (laughs) Yeah, glad to help, man. Um, I mean, other things
2: I I ask myself and I ask other people, you know, is just to say, hey, how would, um, how can you live a life without regret? Like, what would a life without regret look like for you? And so it's also about insights as opposed to just asking questions that matter. Uh, One mantra I do like though, in case uh, anyone is familiar with the designing your life uh, series uh, by the office from Stanford, uh, one of the best mantras one of the authors uses is is that he tells himself every day, he goes, everything I do today, I choose to do. And uh, I love that because you remind yourself that, Hey, you know, you have choices, you make them every day. And so, yeah. All right. Do we believe in the concept of fate? Sure. I mean, you know, I'm not, I can't refute it, but, uh, even as you head toward your destiny, what decisions, you know, are you willing to make, you know, are you willing to say yes to the hard work and no to the Netflix? Are you willing to say yes to the broccoli and no to the, you know, um, you know, baked Alaska, right. You know, and, and, <laughs> Cause I see this all the time. Like I I remember there was a friend of mine who struggled with weight issues. And uh, I remember when he committed to a diet and then, you know, during the week he's like, Oh, you know, they have free pizza at work. And then I was like, well, you know, it's a really hard day and I could use myself a break. And it's just like, how's that working for you? You know? So anyway, to sum that back up. Yeah. um, Ask yourself what would a life without regret look like? Uh, Remind yourself that everything you do today, you choose to do. And then um yeah, just to say, hey, if you say yes to one thing, what will you say no to? And I think, oh uh, well, we can that's a that's a good starting point for people, I think.
1: Wow. And then what's really interesting is the um the thing you said about regrets. Like mm-hmm. would you want to live a life without regrets? What was that quote again? Oh, uh, I was just asking, like, you know, what would a life without regret look like for you? Right? Oh, I got you. What would yeah. a life without regret look like? Yeah. Yeah. And 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 what would your answer to that question be? <laughs> oh man, <laughs> great question, Steve. You know, uh,
2: I mean, for me, you know, a life without regret is knowing I didn't sit on the sidelines for anything, but letting life pass me by. I got you. And that's hard because, right? Like, um, you know, I'm I'm, I'm dealing with uh, some relationship challenges now, where it's like, well, you know am I afraid of the commitment and will I regret passing up what could be a really great marriage to a woman or will I regret, you know, charging ahead and not, and then like being in a marriage where, you know, I, I, there were some things I didn't prepare for and now I just feel like oh, oh. <laughs> you know I can't and that's the hard one right um there's a pastor I remember listening to that said the only thing worse than being single wishing you were married is being married wishing you were single and so I have to you know keep that in mind but uh at one at the end of the day right uh it is still my decision and you know assuming I, I end up in the latter hey you know what I'm it's not the end of the world. It's ultimately up to design a marriage that's actually you know, thriving and, you know, built on hard work and is, you know, is good. Right. So it's not the end of the world. Right. So just remember, Hey, you still have choices, build your way forward. Don't look back. Keep going. So, yeah, but that's what I would say. Just don't let life pass you by and sit on the sidelines feeling sorry for yourself.
1: Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you so much for coming in. This has really, really, really been awesome. A lot of good insights, a lot of good quotes and, and questions and things. And mm-hmm. it's, it's definitely going to be helpful to a lot of people.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, Steve, you've been a great host, right? Like, I think when I, I appreciate the hosts who are, you know, very good with just answering or asking questions and, you know, just staying engaged and, and, and doing more listening than talking. So uh,
1: you know, keep up the great work. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah.
0: Are you ready to feel good? Are you ready to feel inspired? Then come and get your I Am Strong merch. It's smooth on the skin. And guess what? When you wear it, people will be asking, where did you get that shirt? Where did you get those clothes? And you can say, I am strong. Come on over to stevebryan.com today.